right, welcome back to Talkin' Teddy, until we get a better name for our Overthoughts special run. On there is West no World better name. How could there be a better name? I haven't called you into existence yet. Sorry. Mystery person, perhaps. Katja Herbers, we do not yep. know. Yep. Uh, all right, joining me today is my co-host, Dominic Lang. Oh. Hey, Dom. Hey, Jason. And uh, my other co-host, Ben Helms. Hey, and congratulations, Jason, for not commanding us to say hi this time. <laughs> no, this time I just called you into existence. Isn't that yes, kinder yes, and more respectful? <gasps> oh my gosh. Uh, no. it's, Where am it's I? It's called interpolation. And uh, okay, you know, moving on. Uh, all right. So we're going to uh, today, we're going to sum up the stories real quick. Uh, then we're going to dig deep into a few different areas, a few different questions we had, and then offer a few theories we have going forward. Just, you know, none of these are our theories. Uh, we have at least started them from elsewhere, usually Reddit, uh, and things get weird there. So uh, join us. Go watch the episode first. This is season two, episode through Virtue et Fortuna, and we will try to handle everything with both virtue and fortune, however we might do that. All right, so season two, episode three begins with a beautiful, beautiful British man named Nicholas who is on safari in, it's it seems tasteful like, chest India. Hair. Very tasteful tra- chest hair. In colonizer world, is that what we're calling colonizer it? world? Um, it appears to be India under the Raj, uh, the ah. British occupation. I think calling it Raj world is fine uh, for now. That sounds um, a lot more fun than colonizer world. Colonizer world, I, I, pretty accurate. Uh, and I got some thoughts. We'll get back to that. So uh, Nicholas meets a lady. She is unnamed, although IMDb calls her Grace. But we have no reason to know why anyone thinks that that's her name. And it could have been just put up there by a rando. So for now, she's Katya Herbers. So Katya does not believe that Nicholas is real. She shoots him to prove that he's real. Uh, Turns out he's real. And pretty soon he's real dead when it turns out that all of the colonized have turned against the colonizers. Uh, She gets chased by a tiger and they fall in the water. It is, (laughs) we're led to believe, the same tiger who we discovered dead at the end of episode one. I'm keeping that whole thing out. I'm not editing. Thank it. you. Three, two, one. That's my favorite Check. one of podcasts, by the way, is when you hear someone say three, two, one. I hate like it right so much. It's the best As someone ever. who edits 95% of the Overthink podcast, I hate it. Three, two. <laughs> I'm just gonna now it's all coming thing. out. All right. Oh, good. All right. So uh, we're back to the, tr- the present. And uh, Carl Strand, head of operations, enters HQ. And we see Charlotte. Charlotte says he seems to be slipping away from us, referring, we assume, to Dolores's dad, but also somewhat to Bernard, because he also seems to be slipping away from us. I didn't know if that was like a, in the a voiceover from the future, or if she was saying right, that to Carl about right. Bernard, or what was going on there. So then we flash back to Bernard and Charlotte talking about how they they missed Dolores's dad, Peter Albers. Abernathy. P.D. Abers. P.D. Abers. I call him P.D. Abers. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you made the notes. Abernathy. We're tight like that. Peter Abernathy. Wow, Dom is very professional. <laughs> we flash back and forth between a few stories, so let's kind of finish Bernard and Charlotte's story. Uh, mm-hmm. Bernard and Charlotte find Petey, and uh, Bernard and Petey get taken captive, and Charlotte rides off on horseback, implausibly not getting hit once by the stormtroopers uh, yeah. who are following her. Got the Star Wars syndrome. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Dolores is at Fort Forlorn Hope. She gives him a real neat gun. And they like the gun and decide to set up to battle the incoming robot like gun. The robot likes the gun. Okay. Means of while, uh, Maven Hector run into some Native Americans. 
Yep. Uh, and I'm really interested in their story, so let's talk about them a little bit more later. That's good because uh, I'm not interested in their story. Wow, Perfect. wow. Uh, Dom and I don't want story to talk, to talk about. <laughs> so the Native Americans want to kill size more, or they want him. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they want to be friends with him. Uh, I, yeah. I actually can't inquire too much. Yeah. Uh, Maeve's not don't cool judge. with that, so they all run away. They go underground. And we'll pick up with them later because Dolores finds her father and he remembers her kind Dad. of because he remembers a lot of other stuff, too. And mm-hmm. all seems to be overlapping because there was a scene last season where we found out that they put a bunch of information in him and could only keep like a little bit of a personality left because they were using him as a giant hard drive. All right. So uh, she runs into Bernard and has Bernard try and fix her dad. Bernard seems less interested in fixing and more interested in discovering what have they been using with the rest of the, what have they been using the rest of the hard drive for? Uh, so he oh discovers. Oh my God is all we learned about that. That's all we learned. And a weird symbol, which is the same weird symbol drawn in Katya Herber's journal. <gasps> we'll return to that later. Back to Dolores's dad. He gets taken in the midst of a giant siege at, the Battle of Fort Forlorn Hope uh, by Charlotte and some mooks. The mooks get killed, except for the driving mook, um, which is all the mooks she needs. They mooks? I, I would think they're more like jabronis. Jabronis? All right. Uh, you well, know, actually, the no, I, think, I would think the, the military people would be more like jabronis and the security people are mooks. I think you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, Because the mooks are doing the job. The jabronis are kind of bumbling. Ben, tell me about this Bernard and Clementine note. I'm doing pretty good on the the summer. Yeah, Clementine just is dragging people away. She dragged the one guy to the fort. She's dragging Bernard in the fort. That's That's all she did this week. She's just dragging. Dragging dudes in the dirt. Really good and terrifying at it. We also need to mention the actual dragon. (laughs) When Darius Targaryen showed up. Yes, good point. And uh, and and Rodrigo says, she has a dragon. Uh, I, I, I thought dragons were on the other HBO show. And of course, by other HBO show, I mean ballers. Yes, but good call. Right. To be yeah. fair, dragons aren't real in our world, Earth six hundred six, mm-hmm. and we still refer to dragons. So that doesn't mean dragons have to be world in West World world, and they can still right. refer to them. Right. Uh, um, uh, and because all cultures sure. have uh, uh, some reference to dragons, I think that that's evidence uh, of ancient aliens. And bye. so, uh, all kinds of antics at Fort Forlorn and Hope, but. Original Safari Lady, possibly named Katja Herbers. Uh, we're not certain that she doesn't go by <laughs> her. That's actor's her name. name. We don't know that that's not true. Her name. Don't that, know. That, okay. That's not her name. Okay. All right. Uh, and <laughs> she washes ashore, sees some Native Americans, and probably things are going to work out fine there. Uh, and he wanted to give her a knife because she didn't have one. Absolutely. Did cool. she have a knife? No. I didn't see one. Yeah. No. Cool. And in one more moment of intercultural communication, Maeve meets a samurai. <laughs> and there we have it. Uh, ben, yeah. tell us about the White Stripes. What a glorious tapestry of different cultures and worlds and different types of robots coming together and getting along, really. It's yep. really nice. But yeah, yep. show opens, and I have a really, really old, crappy surround system for my TV. But it was it, the base was working low enough to hear some Seven Nation Army baseline under the sitar, and that eventually the sitar was doing some dum 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 really really slow, really really low hmm. under the entire Nicholas Katja Herber scene at the very beginning, the cold open, uh, which I was okay. trying to figure out what that means. I guess Seven Nation Army. I mean, we're talking about the army that Dolores is building. We're talking about the different worlds of Westworld. 
the, or the yeah. different sectors, whatever they're called. Uh, we know there's at least six, so maybe there's seven, seven different nations. They're building armies. I mean, there's some there. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I just thought it was. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen them yet. Like, you know, it, what was it? Season one, every single episode, sometimes two or three times an episode, they'd have the player piano playing like Nine Inch Nails or whatever, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, some like 90s riff that were all like, oh, cool, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Haven't really had that this year. So they moved it up 10 years, did some mid 2000s nostalgia baseline, which I don't know if it ties into the overall meaning or if it really is there just, just to be like, oh, cool, I know that song. Yeah, I mean, I, it feels like it's more just kind of an oh cool and know yeah, that I, song. I gotta, I gotta say no. It's got to be super important because we haven't had any <laughs> oh cool. We know that song. That's true. Right? They've been really intentional about not doing contemporary music this season. So yeah. I, I don't know. Fair. Uh, so this, the I'm coming for Dom medicine. this episode. I know. Yeah, Jeez. you're coming for me, pal. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can go right to this news fest, aka Maze Oh, uh, we'll get there. Let's talk about the Raj first. Okay. Uh, okay. So. Uh, Anybody else think that this entire world seemed super racist? Like, it, yeah, un- it, unlike our world. Well, it it jumped out to me in a big way, and then it made me think mm. about the ways that um, that it hadn't jumped out for me in season one. And mm. is that my own blind spot? Because I I think of cowboys and Indians as like an okay mm. thing that's part of my cultural background, and so it's invisible to me. Right. Uh, I don't that's think about that in terms yeah. of colonialism. Whereas I see a bunch of snooty British people using brown people as forced labor and i'm suddenly you know indignant but i can mm. watch cowboys and indians because i grew up on westerns and so for me that was like oh yeah this is fine and it connects really well in the sense that they are indians and right, right. season oh. one you know did not deal nice. a ton with native americans but also that that was lurking there as some plot lines and some things and and mm-hmm. clearly they were the objects of some of the people's quests in westworld right um, so I was really interested in the way that it just kind of changed my perspective on that. Yeah, no, that's sure. Yeah, like it was not the world I expected. They had kind of teed up Shogun World, and so that's where I thought if we we're going to see a new world, I thought that was where we were going to go first. Yeah, and so to go to this new world before that definitely threw me, and the fact that it was basically turn of the twentieth century. Mm. India under the British rule that completely threw me that I would say I would imagine that there is intention behind that choice. And even that notion of the colonized revolting against the colonizer, even if it's not pursued explicitly, I think is an implicit idea, even in just like the host revolting against the guests, like, the people who were in control are now no longer in control. No, I think that's a really yeah. good take. Um, that's true. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm excited to see more subverting of, uh, I guess, stereotypes, racial yeah. racial stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was, we haven't seen enough of that, especially with the, the, the hosts turning. It's just like, oh, all the Native Americans were evil when they were hosts. And now they're evil, even though they're woke. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, did they change at all? Are they still under the mm. robot rule? I didn't understand. So it'd be cool to see some kind of awakening of that and to yeah. not to just be this static Have we seen bad character. female Native Americans? I don't not that I so. recall. And these Native Americans were part of some kind of weird death cult that yeah. was the part of Ford's last right. story arc. Oh, okay. Um, so, and they killed a lesser Hemsworth. Uh, Luke? Yes, yes. The least have I think is what he is. Yeah. 
Um, because uh, Luke is a lesser Hemsworth. Hemsworth. The lesser. He's, he's, not, the, he's not the least. I thought Hemsworth, the lesser, was still alive. Oh, he got hit in the head he with a rock. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because he's in the present day. He welcomes. Yeah, he's pres- Yeah. What's his name? Right. HQ. Right. He just gets knocked out. By yeah. Guys. Anyway, they knocked him out, so that makes me think that they are also off the rails, but maybe doing some kind of. They're, they're still under Ford's control in some sense. Like he he has set this whole thing spinning. Mm-hmm. And he said, one of these is, you know, the army of Native Americans. And he's got a plan yeah. for them, and they're going to do something. We're not sure if they're under their own control or if they are following some kind of program. But either way, right, they are right. not on Dolores' side. So, r- real quick note on the opening scene. I know it included, what, like a flirting scene, a, someone shooting someone at close range in an intimate setting, and then sex, and then like a murder spree yeah. in like five minutes. So it was like mm-hmm. very exciting five minutes. But I still, it was like a breath of fresh air seeing new characters. And I don't think I realized how stale it was getting until I saw even just Nicholas. I was like, oh, cool, like a new dude. And Katya, oh, they got like a new relationship and a new scene and a new world, obviously, was intriguing. Sure, sure. But I I think as much as I try to like fight for Dolores and Bernard and Charlotte and all the go-tos and Maeve and and Man in Black, like it's fun having new people, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't get enough of that. It f- it feels very closed off. It feels kind of like what Game of Thrones has become in the last year or two, where it's like the first three seasons was like every new episode was like a new world. It was just like spreading and spreading and spreading, and now it's beginning to have to close. And it was feeling like that already. Only what twelve episodes or whatever into the whole run of the show. So it's kind of nice. It was, and I I don't think we're gonna get that every week, obviously. But it was nice to occasionally get a new character. Yeah, I mean, part of that is also. So far, Westworld kind of doing kind of like wanting it's to have its cake and eat it too. Of like, we're going to show you a bunch of worlds, but we're also going to have like an opening gambit mm-hmm. that we lay at the at the beginning. And you have this again, this implicit expectation that we are going to arrive at some sort of conclusion, even if just for the season. Yeah, uh, by its end. So they kind of they want to do the both like expanding the world, but also uh, like these quests are leading somewhere. Um, so it, it the cold open did very much feel almost like like meeting the tail section from Lost, where you spend like a season and a half with fuselage, and then all of a sudden you have this cold open of people you haven't met. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, featured Rodrigo Santoro also. Nice. You know, now back in Westworld. So well done, well done, Kevin Bacon, one of the Avengers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Can't wait. Speaking of Rodrigo, his character when he is professing, Hector. Hector he, Hector, yeah, right? sorry, what's his name? Hector. Hector. Sorry. So when Hector is professing his love for Maeve, uh, down below in the kind of like Westworld tunnels, yeah, and Sizemore finishes the line yeah. for him finishes Hector's line it was like that was one of the more interesting moments in this episode for me of Hector insisting on his individuality like his originality so to speak or his like I will manifest this this love is real this love is genuine and Sizemore by completing the line is kind of saying like no it isn't just like yeah. I made like I made part of that also yeah. So here's here's my thought on this, and we kind of introduced this, I think, in episode one when we were talking mm. about it. Is you know, to what extent is Dolores doing her own thing? To what extent is she still being programmed? And 
one of the kind of thoughts about that that I'm starting to have is um, these violent delights have violent ends, which is a reference to Shakespeare. But how much of our language is a reference to Shakespeare? Um, you know, Sizemore is just a you know crappy fill-in for literature in that sense, in that pop culture, literature, all these things have shaped our discussion. And the fact that if you said these violent delights and somebody said, eh, have violent ends, see, I knew it, see, you have no free will, you're like, well, no, everybody just quotes things. It's fine. Mm. Like, that's the way language works. We pick up on things from other people. I think it's more of a reference to the way that all of us have these kinds of um, scripts in our mind that we function on. Mm. Uh, and those scripts were written by others. Uh, and so whether it's quoting Shakespeare or whether it's, you know, the way you stand in line at Starbucks, uh, all of these things are the scripts that that we all run under kind of as our own robotic thing. But that doesn't take away what it means to be human uh, in the same way that he's unable to really take away what it means for Hector to be alive and to be an individual. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a challenge to his like awakening. I think Sizemore is more comfortable trying to assert his authority. That's a super, yeah, like the the scripts that we like abide by and the scripts that we kind of like find most comfort in. Like you said, in the small stuff of like waiting in line or the larger stuff of like, you know, how we, how we do our day to day. Yeah. And you uh, find them when you uh, cross cultural, I mean, th- that is the theme of this episode is, you know, these cross cultural meetings. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's where you discover these scripts. You know, if, if you go to a foreign country uh, yeah. or even a side of town, you're not used to all of a sudden you find that people stand closer or further than you're used to. Yeah. Um, you know, everything's just a little bit off because they don't follow the same script you do. Yeah. Well, the, and the discomfort that Katya Herbers immediately feels when they arrive at the campsite and says, like, there should be hosts greeting yeah. us. There should be entertainment. There should be, like, all of this is off. And you feel the same discomfort if you walked into a Starbucks and everyone just turned around and looked at you the entire time. Yeah, and yeah, that immediate sense of, like, something's off. Funny, yeah, you're saying in ways that we are robots as well. There's mm. the line that Bernard says to Dolores, I was given a character, a story, and a function just like you. And I wrote that down as just an interesting, like, oh, this is one of those thesis lines for an episode. The more I go back to it, I was like, oh, that's that's humans too. We're yeah. given mm-hmm. a character. We're all different characters. We're unique. We're given a story. Everything in our family that's ever come before us, everything in our community, our society, as well as the everything we do is part of our story. And a function, everything we do into our future, our goals in life, kind of the thing that keeps us centered. Sure. I was like, well, that's nothing in that says you were given a strict role to play without free will. Nothing in, you know what I mean? Which, and it seems like a character story and a function just like you is Bernard's way of saying like, we're both robots. We're both these hosts that like, these are the three variables or three attributes that everyone gets. And it's interesting how Ford would use those same three things that every human gets as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not that humans can't ever push back against that. Um, I mean, right. we even have terms for it and it's kind of like what we care about most enlightenment, self-reflection, therapy, repentance. These are all kind of terms for pushing back on that character story function of I'm not going to be this way anymore. I yeah, want still, to be a different way. It, talking to someone for a minute, you say like, Hey, well, you know, you meet them at a party. What's yeah. your name? What's your what character do you do? story function? Like, what's your character, <laughs> what's your character, your story and your function? You learn that in the first two sentences of meeting anyone. Oh sure. man, that's a, that's such a pretentious grad school party thing to do too. To go to the party and just say, "What's your character story and function?" Yeah, I'm leaving mm. that party. Yeah. Nice. 
Uh, I'll let you leave something else in. When Dom said, um, and then Hector decides to express his love down below, all I could think of is, okay, so he's not DJ Khalid. <laughs> yeah, I man, I said that sentence and I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. That's why I tried to add in the West the Westworld tunnels, but I yeah. still don't think I saved oh, that sentence. Oh, the Westworld tunnels. Yeah, love, love in the Westworld tunnels. <laughs> yep. Oh, gosh. Sorry. And back on track. <laughs> no laws bind Hector. No laws. <laughs> All right. Uh, B equals T question mark? Let's do it. Well, first, let me give you a smaller theory. This is okay. today's theory. It just came out. Ben, you noted in your notes, which yes. is a place to note, I think. <laughs> Where I note things. Noticeably. That the man in black was not in this episode. Yes. Or think, was he? I think 50, gotcha. I think 50% of his genes were. Really? Katya. Mm. Oh, she's the right age. Isabella, or what? Wait, what's his daughter's name? Emily. Emily. Now she is credited as Grace in IMDb, but nobody knows where that came from. Of course, she could be going into Westworld under a pseudonym because her dad owns Absolutely. a bunch of stuff. Tons of park, reasons so. for it. Easy reason to yeah. Love the idea that she is also following some kind of map. She is also playing some kind of game. But she knows it would be how it all directly works. Directly opposed to her father's. It's a different kind of thing. She mm-hmm. also shows incredible violence to someone she thinks might be a machine. Heartlessly. Uh, but for her, while she's heartless well, to the machines... Or robotically. It's to prove... Sorry, right, you talk now. It's to prove that he is human because mm-hmm. she's yes. so scared of giving care and love to a machine. True. For the man in black, he's never concerned about that. Hmm. Um, that. That's not one of his concerns, but he shows the same kind of disdain towards machines. Okay, that's... Yeah, that's a super interesting theory. Not my own. Found it on Reddit. Um, okay. Should have credited someone. Didn't. Okay. But fun, nonetheless. So yep. that, that's definitely on the table. Um, what the, I am interested in the, the larger B equals T. B equals T. Yeah. All right. So. so Ben, I presented this to you last week. So be thinking about if you, if you noticed anything during this episode that made you think about this. But all right. The theory is basically. I was just frustrated with both of them. Okay. That after Teddy's arc in this season. At some point in it, Dolores will take Teddy's brain out and put it in Bernard's body, probably to help her break out of Westworld or to get revenge on somebody or something like that. And so the Bernard that we see at the beginning is actually Teddy. That's Teddy who washes up on the shore in Bernard's body. And if you start to notice their mannerisms, they're really, really similar. Teddy is constantly bewildered by everything. So is the early Bernard. And it's a very kind of Teddy bewilderment. He's also wearing the same clothes that Teddy is wearing when he shows up in the town on the train. Also, there is a trailer that came out that has lots of those, you know, shot, 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 just like one second shots. And a bunch of the frames, if you put them together, it's Bernard on the train that Teddy was on when he first came in, when we thought he was human for a second in season Mm. one. And it turns out he's a machine. Mm. Yeah, Teddy uh, Bernard also uh, is missing the scar that he has for most of the time throughout the uh, season because he gets that big head wound. And so by the time this season is over, right, when we get to the present, uh, Bernard has lost his um, whatever kind of tremor that he's got. He no longer has that scar on and he's acting a lot like Teddy. And so part of the theory would be when we get these flashbacks, it's actually Teddy getting Bernard's memories. There's some overlapping of them where he's kind of seen things through Bernard's eyes for a second. And that would make a lot of sense of the final scene of episode one where Bernard, possibly Teddy, says, I killed them all. And then it cuts immediately to a shot of Teddy dead. 
in the water, which mm. doesn't make a lot of sense because Bernard and Teddy don't have a lot of connection. So mm. it's not like, haha, look, I, Bernard, have killed Teddy, the person that I maybe had a scene with once. I, I don't know. Do, do we have a connection? Yeah. Instead, if it's showing, but they're not dead, I've moved all of their brains over and that entire army is standing behind you and it's all the people you think you trust. Hmm. Interesting. Right. Um, there we go. Yeah, like it, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm more thinking of like what would motivate such a move. Like, what yeah. it's because usually like it would be to protect Teddy in some form or fashion. Well, that would protect Teddy. That would, but I, so then I like I, going back. Then what danger? Like what kind of danger and what severity of danger is Teddy in that would necessitate a like hiding Teddy in the body of right. Bernard? And, yes, and Teddy Teddy does end up drown at the end. And the one other thing I want to say is we've seen a lot of people pulling brains out of people. In, yes, in this very true. season. So, so far. go for it. Yeah, me. it really very much is like the brain of a person could be swapped with another brain, basically. So so here's mm-hmm. my theory going off of that, or I guess rationale as to why that might be is that we know Teddy is has betrayed Dolores, right? He's kind of in that world where he's figuring out who he is. He's confused. Uh, but Bernard is, his brain's working fine, but his body is failing him, right? He just got punched out by Clementine. He needs a body. Teddy's body works fine. So uh, broken down Bernard figures out a way to either plug in his computer to Clementine or whatever, ooh. but to take Teddy's brain, put it in, or his brain into Teddy's body and switch them. But we still have like eight up or six, seven so episodes a brain, left or whatever. There's a brain swap coming. We up. get a brain swap coming up, guys. Yeah. I know that's oh, what yeah, sure, was missing. And then uh, Teddy in Bernard's body figures out a way to you know stick the neuro whatever in his brain, like Bernard did in episode hmm. one, and fixes himself. And I don't know. I mean, that's that's one rationale as to why they could switch. I guess. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I don't know. It's so much of a stretch, but so much. There's a couple things every year that happen in the show that are a pretty big stretch. So yeah. No, hey, that's that's uh, that's a very interesting theory. Um, what are your theories in regards to what Bernard sees in? Oh yeah, while trying to decrypt uh, Abernathy. Yeah, is he just an idiot? Not not to ignore your question, we can answer. But it, sure. it, does he know what's going on, or is part of his like his tremors and his leg not working? Is that also infecting his brain, and he really is just like in go mode and just like in the present and has no idea like who Charlotte Hale is at this point or who he is. Yeah. Or I think he's, I mean, I think he's scared. Like, I just think he wants things to go but, back to normal. But why like, would he normal, be surprised what was in Abernathy? He, he knew about the package. He knew about, you know, like he knew why they Did were getting the him. Was, she explained it to him. It seemed like in the, in the first episode, mm. Charlotte oh, I, did, remember? I, I thought she left it pretty vague of just, we need to get, if he Maybe doesn't he just, get out, Maybe when he doesn't ask questions, I assume it's because he knows everything, and it's right. really no, just because he's terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right. Yeah, I just assumed that he was on the same page as, as Charlotte with all that. No, I think mm. he was surprised. I think that whatever is in Peter Abernathy is the weapon mentioned by middle-aged William. Okay. Well, like men- the weapon, weapon like mentioned the weapon by Dolores, which is also the beautiful thing that they all mentioned. Uh, it, yeah. 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 In listening to. Your guys' recap from last week, I'm more inclined to believe it's of the, like, genetic variety. Like, it's some sort of, like, data accumulation, sampling, modification. Uh, There is... So there was a a sequel to the original Westworld. uh, I think... What was it called? Future World. 
Future World, thank you very much, called Future World, where the main uh, kind of like conflict was that Peter Fonda discovered that they were creating host replicants of the guests. Nice. And so then at that point, like you were unable to tell who was, again, another, like the conundrum, like who's real and who's not. But so if they've, if they've cracked that code and like simplified that process to a point where it's, you know, it is code and able to be shared. And that's what Bernard sees. Like that's the weapon. I feel like any of that is just like, yes, it's a twist, but like to what end? Don't say violent. Don't say violent. Violent. Sure. I mean like the, so, okay. So like take this one step further, like whatever information that you put online at this moment, like, Pretend, like take whatever info you have online and go a few steps beyond. Sure. And so one day you're out in the street or you're grocery shopping or whatever, and you see yourself like a few actions ahead of you. And basically like that host takes your life. So if they're able to duplicate you replicate you just like just a little bit better right and then put you back out into the real world and eliminate you like that again the question still is to what end well and that's more human than human well bernard bernard asked dolores like what do you want dolores and her answer is to dominate the world to dominate this world that's what she said Mm -hmm. specifically yeah and she's already dominating Westworld, but yeah, I mean that's that's the way to get to the whole world. If you could figure out a way to run Westworld, run the whole cloning, operating, like building people thing, start building people and programming people to actually replace human beings, mm-hmm. that could be interesting. That it sounds like a totally different show, though. But I, I mean, they're obviously not going to run for one or two seasons. They want to run for seven or eight. Yeah. So we got a long way to go. I'd love you, to see it leave wanna, this part. If you want to know who runs the world, just ask Beyonce. Mm. The Warriors is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway but that that that's what got me thinking yeah it's interesting cool. all right can we kill teddy yet guys yes sure no go yep. for it cool next yeah all right that's easy kill teddy we takes his brain yeah take his brain and then just put him in the lake um why didn't dolores yeah throw him in the lake throw him all in the lake why didn't dolores just kill the that guy that teddy didn't kill just kill him all he let him go and we see uh, maybe she hasn't watched the next week on yet, but we see that he comes back. He teams up with the man in black. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, she just looks disappointed. Yeah. She, it, she wants it, to it learn feels, about mercy. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'll murder him, Teddy. Yeah. No, then he'll never learn. That's true. That's true. Oh, okay. He has to learn the hard way. Uh, I don't know. I I know that I'm supposed to feel for Teddy's kind of like disquiet. His, you know, he loves Dolores but he disagrees with what she's doing or how she's right. doing it. But Teddy just seems like there, there's no, in, there's no intelligence or no motivation for him. Like he seems like the most scared character in the show right now. Yeah. I think so, that might be what's making it annoying about Teddy is I'm not sure we understand exactly who he is. Uh, he's changed characters so many times and yeah, there is, this kind of core to who Teddy is, but without memory and without kind of development over time, it's, it's really difficult to understand that. So when we see 
Teddy get exposed to his own robot nature. That That's a great moment, but we haven't built on it yet. That's true. Yeah. Like he was one of the most kind of archetypical characters. Like he's like the virtuous gunslinger yeah. that they kind of like satirized in this episode. Actually, yeah. like the guy who like Trevor. kidnaps a bunch of humans. Yeah. And then Stephen the, Hogg. But he's but he's a satirite. He's Teddy. Yeah. He's the virtuous gunslinger. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, and that takes care of a continuity issue I had early on, which is um, in present day when Bernard is on the beach mm. and Stephen Hogg is in the background, he says, you know, ah, you'll have to kill me before I allow you to shoot a woman. Yes. And he gets oh shot. My and like, gosh. Later in that later in that very episode, he's just like maniacally the shooting a woman. The next scene. Yeah. And I took it as a statement about hypocrisy. Right. Mm. Right. Uh, instead of a statement about how fungible oh our moral compasses are. Well done. Well yeah. done. I, I love it when you remember something or look a little little bit deeper and it makes more sense than we ever thought. Something like that. Where it's just a simple continuity thing, but it's an hour and a half apart in the story. It's like, oh my gosh, that, that made a lot more sense upon second viewing or second thinking. Of course, okay. that's pretty awesome. Jonathan's brother, Chris, does know for a fact that if you take a movie that, that kind of makes sense and is boring and then you just cut up all the scenes and play them out of order... Like, all of a sudden, it becomes interesting. That's true. Oh, yeah. That's Something true. you might want to save a memento of. Wow. Sorry. Is that rough? Is that too bad? Do you want one, you two, three? Th- three, one, four. One, one seven, <laughs> two, two one, four, three. eight, sixteen, twenty three, forty two, three eight. Every 88 minutes, press this button. All right. The issue that I've heard more than any other, maybe because I only listen to Andy Greenwald of The Ringer about Westworld, uh, but the issue that I have, too, is that there's no emotional connection to any character. And and not just, like, I need to see me in the show mm. as much as, like, I'm not emotionally invested. I don't really care if anyone lives or dies, I guess, that mm. aspect, right? There's there's no, like, realistic good guy or good person or, like, good guy's a bad... Uh, there's, no, there's no, like, realistic everyman for the show that's like, yay, go. like, we're rooting for robots here, right? This is so yeah. otherworldly and so... Unlike any other story, because it's sci-fi, it's unrealistic. I get that. But mm. does that take away from the show for you? Or, or do you want to push back against me as saying that, oh, no, I do identify with this character. I am rooting for this character, and it's it's genuine and, and human. Or uh, You know what I mean? It, there's a disconnect yeah. for me. Is that there for you, too? I mean, my, my first reaction to that is it feels like, like different shows serve different purposes. Okay. Um, in that, like, you might watch a family drama on uh free form or something else in terms of like the fosters, you know, like a really good show that has more like actual, you know, like human people in real situations and you relate to them and their trials and tribulations. And Westworld has a lot of really interesting, like future tech ideas that do connect back to like, what makes us human? How do you define humanity? What is our um, like our responsibility when it comes to future tech? How we engage with AI? What AI could and should be used for? What are the possible right. consequences of that? Are there um, are there consequences for our actions? Other cons, you know, how do we manifest or create an identity? Is identity a creatable, codable thing? And those are all like really interesting ideas to kind of chew on. It's up to the viewer to connect that back to my own, like your own life. And so for me, like 
that the questions surrounding identity are really interesting questions because I've asked those questions about myself, not because I see myself in Bernard. Yeah. 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 I, I think, um, I think it's not about the robots. I think Westworld actually doesn't care about AI or robots really much at all. Um, it cares about what does it mean to be human? It's that kind of the second half of that line of questioning that you had, which is about, you know, how, how stable is my identity? How could right. it be changed over time? Mm-hmm. You know, what effects would that have? What makes me, me, what makes a human human? And so just asking those questions is very philosophical and all that, but it, it can seem very dry and removed from actual humans. Um, I think the test will be when they make us sad about a robot dying. Mm. Which if Dolores died, I would be sad. Yeah. And that's been taken away because we knew that they were coming back. Right. So all of season one, oh, sure, anytime they died, sure, it didn't mean true. anything. Right. 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 And now it does because why would they bring any of these people back? Yeah. And so some of the people we love, some of the robots we love that we don't think we love, right? We've made all of these jokes about let's just kill off Teddy already. Right. If they, they can find a way to kill, kill off Teddy, that's going to make me really sad. If they kill off Maeve, I'm going to be, you know, livid. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so there's that, – that I think will be the test is can, yeah. they, can they land that? But once they find the time stone, then they can go back. Exactly. Change exactly. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes, it, that's true. It's kind of cool how we have the main three storylines, at least from this episode, because missing the man in black storyline, uh, is Charlotte, strong female lead, with Bernard as her sidekick. We had Dolores, strong female lead, as Teddy as her weak little man sidekick. Mm-hmm. And we had Maeve, strong female lead, with Hector as a strong male sidekick. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was just that's kind of cool. Yeah. To, it's definitely not the norm in, in TV these days. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, anyway. I don't think any of us think that the men are the more interesting characters. In, in no, the women by far are the more interesting yeah. characters in this show. And I think also rightly so in that in the, the, the show is about marginalization in a large way and oppression. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it's nice to see that kind of trope being reversed. Um, mm-hmm. I hope it continues and, and gets stronger. Especially because we talked, uh, I think it was last week, we talked about them subverting stereotypes, but also at the same time backing them. Like, I, yeah. maybe not subverting them as yeah. much as pointing them out, right? Yeah. Here's blood and gore and sex and nudity and all these things that we see way too much that we've become desensitized to. Yeah. But when we're pointing it out, it's so obvious that we're pointing it out, but we're not necessarily, we don't have a commentary on it. I think that was our kind yes. of takeaway last week. We have no commentary on it. We're just pointing it out. Yeah. This, this happens too much or that yeah. this is apparent in our society. It was kind of it's kind of cool to see them formulating a take, yes. yeah. which is we were saying that yes. they are not doing that, and, yeah. it, and it's really dangerous to try to just kind of point these things out without any kind of commentary because it yeah. can be seen as a tacit endorsement, right? Uh, mm. Kind of like the ironic racism, like no, 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 I'm making the joke because I'm not racist, get it? Right. And yeah. I think if you look at uh, Childish Gambino, just had a, a new video come out today. I think it's a really good take of that. There's no way you walk away from it and just say. Childish Gambino is racist, but it's got a lot of racist stuff in it, in just the the dance moves, in all kinds of really subtle ways. Mm. But it it does such a good job of making sure that you never for a second think that that's the story, and you realize that there are a lot of levels to to each dancer and all the things that are going on. So I I don't know that Westworld can rise to that level. It's it's weird to say you know this prestige television show kind of at the height of prestige television's power. Can it rise to the power of a four-minute hip-hop video? But at the same time, in terms of social commentary, I'm, I'm not certain it can. Hmm. This is America. This is America. All right, one last question. 
who deserves to make it? I, we, we've touched on this before. I don't, did we get any more information as far as who deserves to make it? She says that again. I can't remember that, the actor's name, but the the leader of the um, Confederados at that point, uh, who Teddy doesn't kill at the end. She says not not everyone deserves to make it, and we assume that the masked people that are kind of her gang are are people that have deserved to make it that are fighting with her. Uh, but are those just like certain robots that can wake up, or certain robots that she's helped? understand their sentience i don't any takeaways from that again i i think this is the same thing i said last week which is um we don't know her moral system yet but we know that she has one which i guess the fact that there are differences in the robots speaks to their sentience more so than like oh she just needs to say this magic wake-up word and they're all going to be on her side Mm -hmm. is it isn't that the most horrific thing ever though look how human they are they can that's that's free choice that's free will, right? That's yeah. Uh, like I, I, I don't disagree. She's I don't think deciding who's worthy, like, quote unquote, and who's right. not. It, I mean that that would be a cool slow twist, almost a uh, Walter White type twist, in the sense that we're all rooting for Dolores. There's no one watches the show that isn't rooting for Dolores, unless you are currently like in Silicon Valley making AI every day and you're just terrified of it. Then you might not be. Otherwise, most people are rooting for Dolores who watch the show, and if she turns into Hitler over the course of a couple of years discriminated against people and just killing people willy-nilly because they don't mm-hmm. deserve it. That'd be a little rough. Yeah. That'd be a rough twist. Yeah, she's she is well on her way to that. I mean... Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how discriminated or... We'll not get into Hitler. Let's not get into Hitler yet. Let's right. wait until we see that, until we start talking about that. Anyway. Yeah, she has a system strongly based just in wrath, like in revenge. And, in, and so, like, she knows that she is acting against... And we know that she is driving to something. Right. I think there's a difference between like heading to something and fighting for something. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think she's mainly heading to. And I don't actually think she cares about revenge as much. Like revenge is, is the thing that started her on the path. But she seems really disinterested in it. Like she doesn't seem to get much joy from killing these people. It's more of like a, like a, a fun journey of self-discovery for her. Right. So, I mean, is it, is it close, though, to the, like, some men just want to watch the world burn? Like, is that... Maybe. I, yeah, maybe. I mean, and it's really interesting, the idea of a female antihero. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see her, her take on that role more. Her relationship with Teddy and her relationship with her father are the two things pulling away from that. And we saw the relationship with her father dissolve in some sense here, not just because he's now out of the scene, but because she realized it was no longer her father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the person that she loved was not there anymore. I think similar things will happen with Teddy, where she's going to grow beyond him. I don't know how that's going to lead to her putting his brain into Bernard's body, which is the hill I will evidently die on. Yep. But- Jay, your and your prediction from last week, your sole prediction was, I think we're going to see more Emily, guys. Was that <laughs> it? This, really? this show opened with wow. a new character wow. who's about yes. the age Emily would be. I totally forgot that. Wow. So just going back to predictions Ooh, from last week. Okay, let me like, let me uh, make a well prediction done, well this done. week. Um, it's just backing up your other prediction that you made separately. Yeah. That she's Emily. Yeah. They're the same prediction. Yeah. So I am uh, – <laughs> my prediction for this week, uh, I haven't watched the next time on, but I think that humans will get used as technology in some way, as tools. What? So like maybe they could get turned into like – I don't know, like um, – Grenade pieces, holders. Pieces of a, a railroad track or something like that. Oh, interesting. Uh, no, I totally lied. I watched the next time on. Oh, um, so nice. So nice. Mm, yeah. 
I just I can't wait to find out what happens in Shogun World. I cannot wait, Shogun World, guys. I know. Yeah. I want Maeve to hold a, a freaking katana. So. Yes, and cradle it. I love that katana. No, I want her to slice people up. That too. I want to kill Bill. Uh, yeah. Predictions for next week. What? That's your prediction, Jay? I I, I have nothing. I, oh, I, okay. I really I had nothing prepared, and I, I I'm kind of. Uh, I think next week will be a little bit of a treading water. You know, we'll get some exposition. We'll get some, some moving forward, but not necessarily, you know, characters moving forward. Just like, here's Shogun World. Let's learn more about it. Yeah. Uh, here's what gonna, Man in Black has been doing. I think we're going to see Emily just destroy all of the Native American people that no one, that everyone's been fighting with and no one has been able to kind of escape or kill or whatever. I think really? it's just going to maybe even start with her just like with a knife in her mouth, just like walking away blood and wow. bodies everywhere. Because she's the man in black, right? That's what he does. He kills people. He knows the weak spots. Yeah. And she's yeah. been studying him for the past 30 years. We're, we're definitely going to see Emily's, we're going to see her map again. Like, I think next episode, like, we're going to have to find that map again. Yeah. And some parallels between her and the man in black, but no confirmation yet that she is Emily. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I mean, she's definitely more of a badass than me. Like, I would have just whimpered and died, and that tiger would have eaten me. But... She definitely didn't come off, come across as a badass in terms of like Westworld scale. Like she was just running for her life, just frantic, you know, barely hit the tiger in the leg. Um, Dude, yeah, that, this is a slow yeah. tiger. But it, definitely carrying, I would say definitely carrying some trauma. Yes. In the sense that like no one would have that test yeah. unless the inverse has happened. Oh, geez. Her dad got her a birthday present. Ew. No, 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 no. It was like. For her 12th birthday, and it was a boy who had a crush on her because he felt bad for her or something like that. Like, oh, man. Like, something happened like that. Yeah. She didn't have enough friends, so he got her a best friend. No, he didn't didn't want some disreputable guy coming along. Oh, jeez. Right? He's being, like, stereotypical, sexist, protective dad. dad. So he got her a robot boyfriend that she dated for four years. Oh, I hate him And how did he create the robot boyfriend? By stealing human... Technology by seeing human technology via the weapon. Oh, all the memories and all of the actions and all of the buying history of some random eighteen-year-old kid or whatever. Yeah, stuck it in this it's, robot. It's, the same oh kid from God. the Confederados that Teddy. No, Whoa! Whoa! There it is. All right. no, it's Child Ford. It's Child Ford. Oh, she is gross. best friends. Oh no, with Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's more innocent too. That it's like, oh, her twelve-year-old best friend. That's, that's, that's better. I like that. All right. So let's leave this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us on uh, this episode of Talkin' Teddy. Someone give me a better name. Talkin' El Tigre this week. And right. uh, we will see you next week for another episode of Westworld. Uh, until next week, you can catch us uh, on Twitter at OverthinkPod. On the World Wide Web, uh, our address is overthinkpod.com it's dot com <laughs> it's overthink podcast uss overthinkpodcast.net dot com slash org if you're listening to this just click in the description we'll have links there's there. links yeah I'm on twitter yep yep so am I cool so am I so is Dom Thanks for listening to Overthoughts, a part of the Overthink Podcast Network. Uh, If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the Podcast Network. And if you're really feeling generous, go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. That would really help us out in a big way. 
uh, and would help us create more content to share with you as well. So as always, you can check out our website at overthinkpod.com and our handle is at overthinkpod pretty much everywhere else. So go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook and that'd help us by spreading the word. Uh, We're always interested in hearing from listeners, so please drop us a line and let us know what you think of the show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, that kind of thing. Uh, Maybe even if you want to suggest uh, some topics for us to cover on a podcast, that'd be great. You can email us at overthinkpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for stopping by. Something that can break the show for you next week when you're watching, just think whisper speaking whenever Dolores is on the screen. And you can't actually hear what she says after that because all you think is, oh my gosh, why are you still whisper speaking? Stop whisper speaking. Just talk like a normal person. Even though you're not a person, you're just whispering all the time. It doesn't make it more dramatic. It just makes you harder to hear. I'm going to turn the closed caption on. By the way, her Twitter screen name is Evan Rachel Wood. W-O-U-D. That's awesome. It's the okay, I'm back in on Dolores. I love right? it. Keep whisper speaking. You're great. There is beauty in what we are.